Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. It is a techie podcast this week. You know, advocacy is so important, isn't it? And I've spent a lot of my life in various forms of advocacy. And without people stepping forward and advocating, we wouldn't have made all of the progress that we've made. I also have learned over the last few years, though, to keep a gratitude journal. And that's proven important to me because... It is important sometimes to just rest on the top of the current mountain that we are on and realize, yep, there will be things that need to be progressed. There are challenges that remain to be overcome. But boy, have we made some progress. And when you look at the two features that we have on the blind side this week, we really have made some great progress. I'm going to be speaking with Sakib Sheikh from Microsoft shortly. He is a blind person who had a dream of harnessing artificial intelligence to make a difference for blind people. It has now materialized in an app. And in a very short space of time, this Seeing AI app has changed the way I do a lot of things. So after I speak with Sakib, I'm going to give you a short demo, not a full tutorial, but a short demo of the Seeing AI app and just demonstrate a few ways in which it has made such a big difference in our lives. I'll then speak with Wesley Friesen and Michael Hingson from IRA. This is another hot topic in our community at the moment. The IRA Visual Interpreter for the Blind is giving people a degree of freedom and independence they've never had before, and we'll tell you all about that later on in the podcast. Before we begin our look at the Seeing AI app, let me tell you about a webinar that is coming up in early August, which could be of particular interest to our listeners in the United States. On Wednesday, August the 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Mosin Consulting will be launching its first webinar. And we're honored to have Greg Makeley of the Family Resource Network Center of New Jersey to speak on social security benefits in the United States and employment. Now, for many job seekers with disabilities, concerns surrounding social security benefits can be one of the reasons for reluctance in accepting or not accepting employment. So some of the things that will be covered by Greg in this webinar are how will a job affect my benefit? How much can I earn and still continue to receive my benefits? If I lose my job, how long will it take to receive the benefits once again? Are there any blindness-specific expenses I can count and still get benefits? These concerns are often compounded by the frustration and confusion in getting answers from the Social Security Administration in the United States or benefit specialists. With this webinar, we'll answer these questions and others. If you have purchased Bonnie Mosin's job book, It's Off to Work We Go, then you will receive your usual notification because this is part of our Job Club series, which is complimentary if you are a purchaser of that book. If you haven't purchased Bonnie's book, but you would like to attend the webinar, then you can do so for just $10. That entitles you to attend live and ask Greg questions, and you can also download an audio copy of the webinar afterwards, whether you've attended or not. To find out more about the webinar and purchase attendance, head on over to www.mosen.org SSA. That's www.mosen.org SSA and make your purchase from there. And of course, this is a subject which will be of interest only to our US customers. And now, stories making news in the blind community on The Blind Side. The hot topic in the blind community on social media since its release a couple of weeks ago is an iOS app from Microsoft called Seeing AI. And I think of it as a Swiss army knife of visual tools, really, offering some functions available in some other apps, but also breaking new ground in the use of artificial intelligence to give blind people descriptions of people and scenes. An app like this has been the dream of Sakib Sheikh, a blind developer who has worked for Microsoft for well over a decade. Thanks to the technology and the resources of Microsoft and its partners, he's seeing that dream become a reality, and he's able to share that dream with us in the form of a free app. Sakib, it is a real pleasure to have you on the blind side. We go way back, but I don't think we've had cause to speak on one of these before, so welcome. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me here. You have been a blind person since quite early in life, right? About the age of seven, I think, is when you became blind. Yes, that's right. I uh, lost my sight when I was seven and then, you know, went through uh, special school for blind kids and on from there. 
You're coming up at a time when talking computers was really starting to come to the fore. So I suppose you had exposure to those at those schools for the blind. Exactly. And, you know, I started learning to type when I was very young on an actual typewriter. But then screen readers were just coming out for DOS. Well, I guess they're already out for DOS. And when I was in my teens, we started having Windows screen readers as well. So it's a great time to be learning. And you've had this idea for a while. Wouldn't it be cool to harness the increasing power of artificial intelligence to give increasing information to blind people? The first time I heard about this concept was, I think, when Microsoft's accessibility team published a video of you and you were wearing some glasses and you were walking around and sort of looking around and it was describing scenes to you. How did you get from the wearable tech to an app that is now available in the iOS app store? Wow, it's been a long and very exciting and rewarding journey. And if I may, maybe even starting as to how the glasses came about. Yeah, great. So I've had the idea for a long time. And some years ago, Microsoft has this concept of a hackathon where employees can come together for two or three days. And actually, that's going on this very week and come up with whatever ideas they want. And I thought, let's do something a bit bigger than my usual ideas. And you really tried to prototype that pair of glasses. And while the first year it didn't go that far, the next year I met with another guy, RPM, Anirudh Kal, and with a team, we came up with that glasses prototype where uh, we were able to hook together some of these AI algorithms with a pair of glasses that had the camera on them. Taking that to something that you can actually put into people's hands now so many people have smartphones and access to that. So we thought the, the best way to make that available to everyone is via the app that you see today. Yeah, when you look at other technologies out there like Ira, which we will also be featuring later in this podcast, I suppose they're using glasses because in some ways it does allow a blind person to look around and have a greater degree of control of what's in the view but this is hugely convenient right just the fact that you don't need any accessory with you you have the camera and the smartphone you're already carrying absolutely i still think wearable form factor is very interesting but this app really means that we can get it out to so many more people the app has a number of channels and i want to talk about each of those channels uh, in a little bit um, but I want to clarify first about which channels require internet access and which can be used, say, in airplane mode. The main one that doesn't require any internet at all is what we call the short text channel, which allows you to just uh, scan your environment and hear the text. So that's all running on the device itself. The other channels all require internet to some degree, but in each case, some of the processing is happening on the phone, and then some gets sent up to the cloud for further analysis. Okay. Are there privacy implications that people should be aware of of using technology like this in the cloud? For example, if I snap a picture of my credit card statement and that's going away, I presume there, there is some cloud-side, server-side recognition being done on that. So do we need to be a little bit circumspect about what kind of documents we use? We're continually reevaluating this, but at present, for example, documents do go to the cloud and the Microsoft privacy statement will detail exactly how we treat that data. Okay. So it's encrypted, it's secure. You wouldn't personally be concerned about, for example, sending a bank statement or something of that nature to the cloud because of the encryption that's in use there's, there's nobody else who can sort of intercept that along the way yes so there's no people at microsoft sort of necessarily looking at the documents you're scanning etc okay all right so let's talk about these channels then and the first one on the the list of options is short text this is a very intriguing thing to me because since i've had the app i've used it obviously uh, to identify various bits of paper 
Uh, one of the things I should point out is that you have a really great series of video tutorials built right into the app, which I think is a nice touch. And you identify the scenario where you've got two envelopes and the envelopes feel identical and you can't tell which is yours and which belongs to your colleague. And certainly I've used it in that situation. But I tell you what, I've also used it in situations where I have some sort of screen-based device like a a computer that may be performing a very long update and I don't have a screen reader uh, at that point or maybe it's in a state and I don't quite know where it is. It, it's remarkable what this thing will actually read in a wide variety of contexts. Absolutely. I actually use it for reading uh, screen devices. For example, if my computer's not reading for some reason, I use it for that. But also, it enabled me just to be cu more curious about the text around me. So it's fun sometimes just to be in the queue for a coffee shop and to see all the different things that all the different packages say. So in a sense, it's less about accurate OCR and more about discovery for me, as, as well as, of course, you know, reading specific items. Yeah, because you're less inclined, aren't you, to bother if you don't really need the information. If you have to line the camera up and snap a picture and then there's some delay while whatever app you're using goes away and does the recognition, that all takes time. What's remarkable about this is that it's sort of like a real-time video feed and it's constantly looking for text. So it can be incredibly efficient. And actually, I know we're going to talk about barcodes when we go to the, the product channel, but I think sometimes you have to perhaps just learn through trial and error where the short text might sometimes be a little easier. I found that particularly on smaller boxes, I can often get information very, very quickly with the short text feature, whereas with the barcode on a smaller item, it may take me a while to find that barcode and get pretty much the same information. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, then you have the document feature, and this is where you recognize, I guess, a full page of text. One of the things that really stands out for me about this is that you don't have to repeatedly uh, press buttons to try and find out how many edges are in the view. You're getting real-time feedback as you line the camera up. And then the picture is taken automatically. So uh, that's a very nice touch. But then also when you have the document, there's some very nice formatting being done on this. And where I found that particularly useful is actually going to a restaurant. And I've used this in a restaurant environment where I have a menu and I might not necessarily be interested. In fact, I'm definitely not interested in the soups. So I want to skip the soups and um, I can just navigate by heading to the next section. There's some rem remarkable processing judgments being made about the way that documents should be formatted with this channel. Right. So once we've recognized the text, we also recognize the structure and convert it to HTML so that you can navigate it just like any other web page. And as you mentioned, that's really great for skipping around by headings, but then it also has like bulleted lists and other information like that. Does the fact that you're going to the cloud for that mean that you can do some processing on the image and, and hopefully get things clearer than they otherwise might be? Um, I think right now the technology we're using would be hard to run on the phone. But as I say, we're always evaluating that. If we can do more on the phone, then we're always interested in doing as much as possible on the device itself. And then you have the product channel. And this is where you look for a barcode. You get a series of beeps, so the sort of getting warmer method uh, that indicates when you're getting close to a barcode. How does seeing AI know what products that it has? When, when is it realistic to expect that seeing AI will tell me a lot of information about the product that I have scanned? So there are two elements to this. Part of it is detecting the barcode using those beeps. And then the other part of it is just looking up that barcode. And that second part depends on the database providers we have and we're always working to get more. But let's go back to the first part, which is normally with a image-based barcode scanner, you have to get a very clear centered image of the barcode. What we did is we trained a neural network, as it's called, using sort of machine learning. We showed it thousands of images of different barcodes or just corners of barcodes so that it would learn 
what the concept of a barcode was. And by doing that, that's how we can detect barcodes from further away or only seeing part of it and guide you with those beeps. But then, as I say, once we've done that, we just get the numeric barcode and look that up and it depends on our database. And then we get onto something that really is just incredibly innovative and interesting. And this is the person channel. What's going on with this? There's obviously some really cool groundbreaking technology at the heart of this channel. And for those who haven't used it, you can take a picture of someone. You can identify the individual in advance. But otherwise, if you take a picture of someone, it will tell you what it thinks their age is and their their emotional state, whether they're looking happy, that kind of thing. Now, there has been a bit of talk about this on social media because sometimes it's very accurate. Other times it's very generous. I have to thank you. It took 12 years of my wife's age and it really made her day. And then other mm-hmm. times it uh, it goes the other way. So it's obviously a work in progress, right? Absolutely. And again, this is the idea of machine learning, AI, where you're, we've researchers at Microsoft have trained these models by showing them many, many different faces and identifying, you know, this is the emotion or this is the age. And it's just guessing based on the average of what it's seen before. And that will get better over time as well. There's no way for a blind person, an end user of the Seeing AI app at this point to teach it, right? So, for example, if it comes back and it says, this is a 53-year-old man, and you know, no, actually, this is a 48-year-old man, you can't correct the app at this point and contribute to that knowledge, I think. No, you can't do that at present, though it's one of the many things we have on our idea list. You do have, I think, a database of people uh, that you have access to because I have been using the Seeing AI app with social media. And this is something I want to talk with you about because a lot of people don't seem to know that this is a thing, that you can actually use the Seeing AI app with other applications using the iOS share sheet. And to me, this is one of the biggest things, the transformational aspects of this app. It has changed the way I use Twitter, for example. It takes me a lot longer to get through my tweets now because all of those tweets that were once completely incomprehensible, somebody would say something like, you know, what the heck's going on with this and attach an image? And I would have no idea what they were referring to. And now I can send that image to the Seeing AI app. It describes the scene. It describes the people. Suddenly a tweet that was completely inaccessible is pretty much yeah, often 100% accessible. It's a, it's a huge game changer. But when I've been using it that way, I've noticed that it does recognize certain famous people. It recognizes Donald Trump. It even recognizes some local New Zealand politicians. I was intrigued by that. So is there some sort of database it's consulting? Well, that's great to hear. Um, Again, it's the similar technology we talked about with AI, where it has been taught by examples to recognize certain things, including celebrities. So that's how that's being picked up. And then the final channel is the scene beta. And you make it very clear in the documentation and even in the channel name that this is a a, a beta. So tell me about this. This basically describes the world around you for a blind person. And I guess it's what we saw, right, when we first saw that video of you with the glasses. Absolutely. And this is our sort of long-term vision of where we would love to see this going as AI continues to improve. So it tries to detect all the objects in a scene and then put together a sentence describing that. And this is the very early stages of this technology. But even so, it's really amazing to be able to see, you know, see the beginnings of something and imagine where that might go. You know, this is a personal story for me, but it illustrates what that what you're doing really does have a huge impact. Um, My father died in March of this year, and just the other day, his headstone was unveiled, and my sister took a picture of the headstone and posted it to social media, and the Seeing AI app was able to read the inscription and describe the scene, the flowers around, and it's the most remarkable thing. I mean, it, it really... I can't tell you what it meant to have that. 
Wow. Thank you for sharing such a, an amazing story. And yeah, I'm so happy that seeing I was able to help in that situation. Are there other channels? I mean, people hate me when when I ask these questions, you know, because you know you don't you know, you don't want to spill the beans, and I get that. But I have to ask: Are you looking at other channels at this point that you're looking at adding in future? Because I noticed initially there was some reference to currency, and then the currency references seem to disappear. So I, that might be one that's imminent. Yes, uh, currency is is on the horizon, and then we're always looking at the technology and seeing which other channels or improvements to existing channels we could bring on board yes with the person description the one thing sometimes it tells me that somebody's wearing a suit and tie but it would be great to get even more details about you know how somebody is attired or at least making that optional because that can be quite interesting at times um, you know what what someone looks like and how they dress that kind of thing that would be amazing and again as a blind person myself i I would love to know these things, and we're always looking at ways we could leverage technology, but that's not something that we see just yet, but hopefully one day. Now, a couple of availability questions. Are you looking at a version of this that runs on Android? For now, we've just launched on iPhone, but perhaps in the future, but nothing to announce. And it's not available in all of the major English markets yet. What determines the availability of the app? And do you think availability will increase, uh, will extend into other markets in the near future? We're working on getting it out to, to as many countries as we can. So do watch this space. Excellent. I want to congratulate you and everybody who's been involved with this. It's a very significant app in my view, and I know that you guys perceive it as a research project at this time. So I hope the research continues and that we see some future innovations of the magnitude that we've already seen. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity, Jonathan. And I must just say thank you to the great team we have at Microsoft who's made this possible. And if anyone wants to get in touch, then you can email seeingai at microsoft.com. We'd love to hear from you. Sakib Sheikh from Microsoft. Let's take a look at the Seeing AI app briefly now. I'll ask Siri to open the app on my iPhone 7 Plus. Open Seeing AI. Menu. Button. Focus is placed on the menu button, and when we double tap this, we're able to get into a mode where we can take selfies which helps the app identify individuals by name. You can take a picture of yourself. You can get other people to take pictures of themselves and build up your database so that you can identify people in a scene or when you're looking at a photograph. If I flick to the right, quick help button. The quick help button will give you some text and also a video where you will hear Sakib's voice once again. And that button is context sensitive, so it will give you quick help for the channel that's currently selected. And we'll take a look at the channel in just a moment. By the way, when you do go into the menu button that we just saw before, you will be able to get help for the entire application. And there is some information there that you may not find anywhere else, such as how to use the app with the iOS share sheet. A really great feature that I want to talk about in a moment. Press announcements button. You can pause announcements, which will make the app less verbose. And for example, in situations like this, where I'm talking and I may not want the app to be active, you can pause announcements for as long as you need to. And now when we flick to the right, we get to one of the key controls. Channel, short text, adjustable. Swipe up or down with one finger to adjust the value. This is the channel option. It's a key feature of the app because from here, you choose the kind of thing that you want the app to do. When you launch the app, it defaults to short text. This is where the camera is in a live video mode. It is looking for text from anything that might be displaying it. And as it happens, I have an envelope and I don't know what it contains, but it's come in the mail. And I'm going to put the envelope on my desk here in the studio. And I'm going to put the camera in about the center of the envelope, remembering that the camera is not on the center of the phone. It's at the top right of the phone. Now I'm going to lift the phone upwards so that the camera will get a view of this envelope. And we'll see if we can work out what is in this envelope before I even have to open the mail and take a picture and do all those time-consuming things. 
Switch, turn 2, P.O. Box 12,995, Penrose, Auckland 1642-170704132-2 slash 0NT slash by slash 4270 to the householder. Permit no. 139310. Switch to S for three months. Spartans. It said switch to S for three months, but then it said Spark NZ. So Spark NZ is one of our telcos. So just by holding the camera above this envelope, I haven't had to open it. I didn't need to take a picture. I am able to hear that this is an invitation to switch to Spark for three months. Now what I'm going to do is open this envelope because that's that was all just the back of the envelope there. And so we'll open the envelope and take out the piece of paper that's in the envelope. And there's actually quite a bit here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. What I'm going to do is put the piece of paper on the desk. I'll put the camera on the center of the page and work my way up and we can find out if there's text on this page. Switch to SPA for three months. Fiber. Nicaroon. Data SPAR. We know that it's talking about fiber. We have uh, gigabit fiber connections here, and they want us to switch to their particular company for the provision of that fiber. So if we want to get all the details of the offer, this is probably when we would want to switch to another channel. Channel. Short text. Document. Top and left edges not visible. Now we're on document and we're already getting information about what can be seen and what can't. I'm going to put my camera in the center of the page again. And I believe that is about centered now. And now I'm going to raise the phone up carefully. So let's raise it up, making sure that I'm keeping the phone parallel. Bottom and left edges not visible. Detected a document. Bottom and left edge is not visible. Bottom and left edge is not visible. Bottom left corner not visible. All right, we're getting there. Hold steady. Processing. Back. Button. So it went away to the cloud to do OCR on that, and let's see what we have. Back button. I'll do a continuous read. Share. Button. Harlack. One seven zero seven zero four one three two two slash zero and V eighty slash four thousand two hundred seventy. Table start. Switch to Spark Fiber to the householder for three months. Table end. Hi there. Whether you're shopping, playing games, or watching incredible Fib seventy entertainment, fiber broadband means quicker download speeds with less interruptions. And best of all, fiber is already installed at your place, making the switch over to Spark easy. Sign up now and enjoy all these great offers. 3. List start. Months free broadband. List end. Sign UPR. Outgay Spark on United Fiber Broadband plan for 12 months and you'll get your first 3 months free. Netflix on us for a year. Heading level 1. Ready for the latest shows like House of Cards and Narcos? Get set up with a 24-month unlimited fiber plan, and not only will you have free broadband for 3 months, you'll also get Netflix on us for a year. Lightbox for the life of your plan. Heading level 1. You'll get a subscription to Lightbox when you sign up for any Spark Fiber broadband plan so you can enjoy the latest episodes of great TV shows like The Handmaid's Tale, Suits and Outlander. There's never been a better time to get Spark Fiber. Heading level 1. Join Spark Fiber now and start enjoying a fast and reliable connection. Give us a call on 0800-555-344 and we'll find the right. It's not 100% accurate, but it's pretty close. That is very cool. And what's also nice is that everything is formatted so that you can navigate by various methods. Words. Headings. And now we're navigating by headings. I can flick down. Heading not found. That was the last heading, so I can flick back up again. There's never been a better time to get Lightbox for the life of your plan. So we've got the key sections that are navigable by heading. Very simple process for making sure that all four edges of the document are visible and then the picture is taken all in a free app. So now that we have this, we can go to the top of the screen. Back. Back button. Share. Button. And if we double tap share. The standard iOS share sheet has come up, and so we can send this to any app that is compatible with the iOS share sheet.
we'll escape out of this by performing a two-finger scrub. Back. And I don't want to save this, so I'm going to close it. But I should also say that I did have to do a little bit of editing on this because it got our street address 100% perfect. And I didn't really want to include that in the podcast. Back. Menu. Button. And now we're back on the main screen of the Seeing AI app. Quick help. Take picture. Cause announcements. Channel. Document. Adjustable. So document is the second channel in the Seeing AI app. Let's go to the third. Product. And this is product, which is a barcode scanner. Well, it just so happens that I have some products in the studio. Funny that. Uh, So let's take a look at one. And actually, this one here is an example of where you could think carefully about which tool in the toolbox of Seeing AI to use at any given time. I put this supplement. I know it's a supplement container on the desk. And now... I'm going to try and uh, get the barcode. There. Processing. Go healthy, go magnesium one a day. Right, that happened so quickly, actually, that it didn't give me much of a chance to explain what I was doing. So let me tell you, I have this container of a supplement of some kind, and I held it a little away from the camera and then rotated the container until the Seeing AI app started to make some sounds. The faster the beeps, the closer you are to the barcode. And the Seeing AI app saw the barcode, went away and consulted its database and told me that we have here some magnesium. Share. More info. Dimmed. So more info was dimmed in this case. So I'll perform a two-finger scrub gesture. Menu. Button. And now I'm going to go back to my list of channels. Channel. And we'll go back to short text by flicking down. Document. Short text. Now I'm going to hold the camera in front of the bottle and see if I can get any information about how many I should be. High strength. One a day formula. Elemental magnesium per capsule. Natural marine magnesium contains absorption as well as being. Magnesium is effective in supporting tension and muscle tightness as well. Night sleep. Magnesium is one of the, it is involved with hundreds of, but is easily depleted when the body is, as exercise, stress situations, poor, having a modern busy lifestyle, great way of ensuring you get your, of this vital mineral to help keep, muscle, oxide free, 02 slash 2020. That is pretty remarkable stuff, because I didn't line the camera up, I didn't make much of an effort, I simply put the bottle on the desk, waved the camera in front of it, and it just started to talk and give me some very useful information, including that the product expired in February 2020. If I wanted to take some more time with this, I could rotate the bottle or the container very slowly. And eventually, I'm sure I would get the directions in view, which would tell me to take one a day. But I already know that, of course, because the product is called Magnesium One a Day. But it's really, really impressive. Particularly since historically these round objects, you know, cans, containers, etc., have been quite difficult to get OCR from. And with that, we didn't have to take a picture. We didn't have to do anything other than just hold the camera roughly in the right place. Now let's go back to looking at our products. Channel. Short text. Document. Product. And we'll go and look for another product here. Here's a can. And of course, it's a blind person's dilemma, isn't it? You know, you're having people over for dinner and you want to make sure which is the baked beans and which is the peaches and which is the dog food or something terrible like that. So, oh, now I'm going to put this on the desk and let's see if we can find the barcode. Here we go. Processing. Locustina Pinto Beans Hole. Oh, it's pinto beans. Okay. And let's see if there's any more information about this. Share. Button. More info. Button. Yes, the more info button is not dimmed in this case, so let's double tap and see what it tells us. More info. Back. Button. Back button. More info. Heading. Share. Button. Locustina pinto beans hole. Heading level two. Refrigerate after opening. Easy open. Ready to serve. Product of Mexico. Refrigerator. And that's what we have. Let's go back. Back. Button. Back. Processing. And that's the product channel. Very useful. And it's the best way to locate a barcode that I have seen. It's it's pretty effortless in terms of locating what it is that you want to find. Next. Channel. 
product adjustable. Well, flick Swipe up. Or down person. And we've got the person channel, and I have to have another person in the studio for this. So we've opened up the other mic, and Bonnie Mosin is here. Welcome to you, Bonnie. Hello. Uh, take a picture of you. I'm just uh, finding out where you are. I'm just going to move away from you a bit and see if we can get you. One face near top. Zero faces. Oh. One face near top. One face near top edge three feet away. Okay. Maybe. One face near top. One face near top edge four feet away. Okay. Let's try and take As announcements. Take picture. Button. Take picture. Channel processing. 63-year-old woman with brown hair looking neutral. Oh, dear. It it took 12 years off your life last time. Yeah, now it's added, added a whole bunch. It and says that you're a 63-year-old woman. Now, what did it say? With brown Close. hair. Close. 63-year-old woman with brown hair looking neutral. Let's see if taking another picture makes a difference. Close. So, Button. I'll get closer to you. Menu. Zero faces. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'll just find out. Where, okay, there you are. So we'll just uh, try and get a picture. One, zero faces. Oh. One face near top left two feet away. Okay, so if I move the camera. One face near top edge three feet away. Okay, we'll try that again. Menu. Quick help. Take picture. Present. Take picture. Take picture. Channel processing. 65-year-old woman with brown hair looking happy. Oh, well, it says you're looking happy, but it's also aged you by another two years. <laughs> and has the wrong hair color. <laughs> well, I suppose a lot depends on lighting and stuff, because when I took a picture of you uh, another yeah. time, uh, it, it actually shaved some years off yeah, your life. Yeah, so I think it... This feature is is not. I, I think there needs to be some improvement. With oh, it. oh, it's a work in progress, yeah, and it's, it is it is a research part. project. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, the other day I was sitting in the chair and it told me I was an eighty year old man with. Green <laughs> hair. So I don't know if there was a ghost standing behind me. There you go. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you. And then the final channel close button is this Menu. one here. Channel scene beta, and this is the scene beta. There's not a lot for me to photograph here. I guess I could take a picture of my keyboard and my mixer and the Seeing AI app would identify that. There's nothing particularly sensational about it. But what happens when you go into an area such as outside and you take pictures can really be quite amazing. And I think that the best way for me to illustrate this is to perhaps move on to taking a look at social media and the scene interpretation will come into play there quite effectively. Now, feature of the Seeing AI app that I think is very, very powerful is the way that it integrates with other applications. You can, for example, send images from your Photos app, your camera roll. You can also send images from other apps, including social media apps. And I go to demonstrate how I use this with Twitterific. And I've liked a few tweets with images to demonstrate that the Seeing AI app makes accessible some tweets that would otherwise be completely inaccessible. So I'm going to go to the Twitterific app now. Launch Twitterific. Refreshing content. And now we'll go to my likes. Sidebar, unread messages. At tip jar. Save tip extras. Today, muffles. Search. Likes. Button. And double tap. Refreshing content. Finished refreshing. Let's take a look at some of these random tweets that I've liked recently with images, mindful that I was going to be producing this podcast. Mark Knoller, Marine One landing on flight deck of the USS Gerald Ford earlier today. Attached media, July 23rd, retweeted 43 times, like 77 times, via Twitter web client. So over the weekend, actions available. the USS Gerald R. Ford was launched by President Trump. This is, I think, an aircraft carrier. Let's flick down. Open media. And open media is one of Twitterific's options. I'll double tap to do that. Image. And now the image has popped up on the screen. Completely inaccessible to me at the moment. Let's double tap and hold on that. Image. Message. Button. Now the iOS share sheet has opened up and I want to spend some time on this because it does seem to be confusing some people how you make this work. And it's such a cool feature of the app that I want everybody to be able to make it work. So first of all, LinkedIn. We've got a whole bunch of things that I have here installed that you can share this with. Mail. Add to notes. iCloud photo sharing. Music. Save PDF to iBooks. More. Button. Now we go on. Recognize with seeing AI. Button. 
And the option here is recognize with seeing AI. Now, how did I get that to come up? Let's just continue to go on here. Save to draw, copy, print, save image, assign to create, save to markup is more button. There is a second more button in this share sheet, and it's the second more button that you want to be concerned with. So you double tap this second more button from the share sheet. More activities. Heading. And you're in the activities section. When I flick to the right. Done. Button. Recognize with seeing AI. Switch button. On. What you have here is a list of activities, whether they are toggled on or off at the moment, and then. Reorder recognize. With there is a reorder button. So chances are when you go into this second more button for the first time, that recognize with seeing AI app may be quite a long way down the list. If you know it's something that you're going to use a lot, what you can do is drag that by double tapping and holding on the reorder button and dragging it to the top of the screen so that it's easier to get to. So I've already done that. And that's why recognize with seeing AI is coming up in my iOS share sheet. So I'm going to back out of this activities screen. Recognize with seeing image, image, image. I'm actually back to the image now. So let's go in here, double tap and hold. Message, May add, I music, say more, recognize with seeing AI. And we're Button. going to double tap Dragable. on recognize with seeing AI. Processing. Scene, a group of people standing around a plane. A group of people standing around a plane. So there you go. What happens here when you recognize with seeing AI from another app is that pretty much all of the channels are available to you with this recognition process. So it could tell you about the scene. If there is any text to be recognized, then the app works that out and will speak the text to you if any exists. And if there are people, it will try and describe any people in the view. So that's all we have in this case is the scene description. But let's have a look at some other ones. Scene, close, button. We'll close this. Image. And now we'll go back to the main tutorial screen. Q plus A. Today at Materia talks to it much Jessica about her admission of benefit fraud. Has she lost credibility? What was her real message to voters? Attached media, July 23rd, retweeted one time, like three times, via TweetDeck. Just a bit of background. Q&A is a current affairs program, a TV program in New Zealand, and Materia is Materia Ture, who is the leader of the Green Party in New Zealand, who's been in the news a bit lately. So let's open this image. I'll flick down. At Materia. At Much Jessica. Open Media. There's Open Media, so I'll double tap. Image. There's the image. I'll double tap and hold on it. And let's look for the appropriate item. Copy. Button. Say, recognize with seeing AI. There it is. We'll double tap. Processing. Person. 39-year-old woman with brown hair wearing glasses looking happy. Well, Materia will be happy with that. She was born in 1970, in fact, and that makes her 47. I'll flick to the right. Close. Button. Close. Person. Scene. Materia Turei wearing glasses and smiling at the camera. So there you go. It used the person description to tell us that it thought it was a 39-year-old woman wearing glasses. It also told us that it was Materia Ture, the name of the Green Party leader in New Zealand, which is pretty cool. So those are just a couple of examples. One of the most amazing examples that I didn't like at the time last week, unfortunately, was when a journalist posted, I believe it was 13 or 18, it was a large number of people voting at the House of Commons in Britain. And the Seeing AI app gave me a description of each one of those individuals. And it also gave me a scene description and told me that uh, there, were, there were people milling around, kind of looking happy and what was going on. So it is an amazing start to this era of artificial intelligence helping us. And there are so many tweets where in the past I would have just been completely shut out of a tweet that I'm now able to read and appreciate at least to some degree. So that is the Seeing AI app. 
If it is available in your app store, simply search for Seeing Space AI. It is a Microsoft app. It is free to download. And I can't wait to see where this app is taken in the future. Our place, our issues. The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosen. A few weeks ago, a much-researched, extensively tested, and highly anticipated service was launched for all to use officially. The people behind Ira describe it as a visual interpreter for the blind. So how did it come to be, and what can it do for you, and of course, how can you get it? Wesley Friesen is with me from Ira, and uh, welcome to you. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. And Michael Hinkson, always good to chat to you, Mike. Welcome back. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Glad to be here. Can I start with you, Wesley, and talk about the company and how it came to be, how this idea of this visual interpreter for the blind got started in the first place? Absolutely. So Ira uh, was initially conceived when our our CEO, Suman Kanuganti, uh, first saw Google Glass. Uh, Suman has a a very close uh, blind friend, Uh, And when he saw the camera on these glasses, he began to put two and two together and decided that he wanted uh, to try and make a camera that could help his friend uh, basically navigate uh, around and to identify things in his backyard. Uh, And so in a a backyard in Colorado, they first built the prototype of Ira of just live streaming the Google Glass camera to a phone. Uh, And then from there, we've uh, grown the company into... 20, over 20 full-time employees and uh, over 100 users currently active. So this is a really interesting model because it's kind of like a mainstream tech startup model for what is actually quite a small community. Can you describe to me what the product is that you're offering right now and what you aim to be able to do for its users? Yeah. So what Ira is, is a subscription service. Uh the, the product itself that you receive is a pair of smart glasses uh, and an AT&T MiFi device. Now, there's a camera mounted over the eyes on these smart glasses. And when our users come across something that they want more visual information on, uh, they can press a button on our phone app, and the camera on the glasses begins live streaming real-time to one of our agents across the country. Our agents are, are sighted people who are sitting behind their laptops. Uh, they receive the live stream on their uh, laptop as well as their GPS location from their phone and any other uh, additional information that they need. And then from there, they're able to provide uh, visual information to our users real-time audibly uh, through a connected headset. Do you feel you're building on services such as Be My Eyes, which is, of course, a free service and is, is extensively reliant on volunteers, or is this a completely different niche as you see it? Uh, in our minds, we see it as something that's completely different. Uh, Be My Eyes is fantastic at uh, providing uh, instant information uh, through uh, just video. Um, there, there's a large number of limitations, like you said. Be My Eyes is purely volunteers, so you can't control the, the quality of the people on the other end. Uh, there's not a lot of additional information. It's just the camera feed, so if there's anything wrong with the uh, with the the camera stream that's coming from your phone, uh, then there's not a whole lot that my eyes can do. What Ira does differently is that uh, it's almost like having a personal assistant uh, immediately on call. Uh, for starters, all of our agents go through over a month of training before they even begin to interact with our users. Uh, they're all trained on what kind of information is important and what information, uh, what information that you're actually looking for and not just uh, describing the video itself. Um, they have your GPS location, so they're able to look up and provide directions. We've got uh, Uber integrated, so we could order you an Uber and help identify it as it arrives. It's more than just visual information. It's almost like having a personal assistant. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there's a limitation that comes with having just the phone uh, live stream. With glasses, you can now uh, go hands-free. Uh, you're able to look around at anywhere that you are turning your head, uh, the live stream will follow versus a phone. Uh, you're, you're using one of your hands just to hold the phone and you have less interaction with the world around you. I noticed that the Ira app is actually in my app store here in New Zealand. Does that mean that it is available worldwide or in a range of countries or is it US only at this point? 
currently, uh, we are only supporting uh, the United States. We are working on expanding uh, to various countries across the world uh, right now, and we hope to have some more information about that uh, in the coming months. So when you sign up, if you're able to sign up, do you get the hardware as well directly from Ira, or do you merely pay for the service and then it's up to you to source the hardware as the end user? So the hardware is included with the subscription. When you sign up, uh, you will receive a pair of smart glasses, as well as, uh, I believe I said earlier, an AT&T MiFi device. So what this means is that the glasses are connected through this MiFi device, and all of the data from live streaming video real-time doesn't go through your phone, but it goes through this MiFi, so that way you're not paying any additional data fees. Um, and then the hardware is yours as long as you are a member of, uh, of IRA. Uh, and that means that if we have any new hardware that we announce or release, we will automatically upgrade you to the latest and greatest hardware. Uh, so we're providing all of the physical components. You just to provide a smartphone uh, and some headsets that connect to your phone. Uh, many of our users like to use wireless headsets. Some use wired. Um, but just as long as you have a headset connected to your phone, that's all you need to use IRA right now. And iOS only at this point, or is Android working as well? We are iOS and Android. Very good. Let's bring you in, Michael Hinkson, at this point, because you've been using this, you've been involved in a range of capacities. Is this as much of a game changer as it sounds like it could be? Oh, absolutely. Um, I was involved with the development of the Kurzweil Reading Machine through the National Federation of the Blind Project to test and evaluate the machine and saw Ray Kurzweil's company when it was a startup as well. And what I'm seeing here is very similar in a lot of ways. Um, first of all, this is absolutely a game changer in terms of what it provides. Unlike some of the other app-related products, like Be My Eyes, as you mentioned, this is a product that allows you to keep an ongoing video streaming session to do whatever you need, rather than just taking a picture or possibly a short video. The agents are trained. They know what they're doing, and there are a lot of opportunities for users to provide feedback, which is really cool, and to interact with the agent to give the agent information about what they need. There are profiles. Every user has a profile, and the agents, as a result, when a user comes up on the screen as calling in, the agent knows how they like to receive information, how much information they want to receive, as well as being able to augment that and change that on a regular basis. There is just a lot of information that the agent has to be able to give the user what they need in order to provide the information that that we require, whether it be going through an airport. I've gone through many airports and used it and in some of the more sophisticated and very large airports like Dallas-Fort Worth, I can use IRA to go find the trains to go from terminal to terminal, which in the case of Dallas and a number of airports is not trivial at all because finding the entrances to the escalators to go to the trains is not easy to do at all. Um, IRA can be used for any task that you can imagine. I've used it for shopping. I've used it for reading information on food packages that the KNFB reader won't read um, or be in a hotel room and try to read a bottle of shampoo and not sure whether it's shampoo, conditioner, or hand lotion. And again, Optical character recognition devices won't read that. Ira, within 15 seconds of me calling in, was able to tell me what I needed because the agent could read the information and give me the data that I needed. It absolutely is a game changer. It is, as, as I like to say, a way where anyone who uses Ira will be able to get any information that visually is available to sighted people, but otherwise is not available to me. And I mean any information. It is as simple as that. Your 15-second figure interests me. How is demand being managed? I mean, what happens if everybody hits the service at once and wants an agent? Well, so one of the interesting things about that is IRA has a goal of answering calls within 15 seconds. And if they see that that is changing, and IRA has developed some pretty sophisticated models to monitor that, they will hire more agents and train them to make sure that they meet that 15-second goal. I use 15 seconds for my shampoo issue because um, that was exactly what I experienced. I needed to identify shampoo. I don't bring my own with me. As long as the hotel is going to provide it and it's decent, I'll use it. So I called in and the agent answered. I said, got a bottle here. What is it? 
And the agent said, you have to turn it 180 degrees, turn it 180 degrees, shampoo, that was done. It was that simple. And they will, and they will answer and deal with calls that are that short, as opposed to, I'm in New York City, and I need to find Virgil's Barbecue, favorite place in the city. And, um, and now I don't need to use Ira for that. But, but the point is that I could use agent's help to do that or whatever I want to do. So it, it can be a short, a long call, whatever it needs to be. But I think where you're really going with the response time of answering calls, and Ira has made a firm commitment to make sure that calls are answered within 15 seconds or they'll hire more agents to make sure that happens. So you yeah, feel under yeah. no pressure at all to get the transaction, as it were, done. I mean, the agent could be with you for quite a long period, depending on what the task is that you want to accomplish. I've done uh, work trying to get a bunch of business cards read accurately, and I wasn't able to do it totally with the reader. I spent an hour and a half on an in, on business cards with an agent. I know people who have spent two and three hours um, with agents. I mean, all those are are absolutely realistic things. So no, I'm not under any pressure. I will do what I need to do. Uh, and the agent will do what they need to do to give us the information. Since you go all the way back to the development of the Kurzweil reading machine, it's fair to say that you have a long history. You're well steeped in the philosophy of the National Federation of the Blind. I have sat in NFB conventions where there's been a lot of talk about how over-reliant some blind people feel they need to be on things like um, audible signals, on tactile indicators, on accommodations that historically, in the NFB's view, are unnecessary if you use the skills of blindness to the max. Now, one of those things is navigating around airports, and the case has been made in a very recent banquet address even, that you should be able to negotiate a very busy airport without meet and assist. So how does a product like Ira reconcile with NFB philosophy? And that's a fair question. Um, let, me, let me go back to audible traffic signals. Even members in the National Federation of the Blind and the organization acknowledges that there are places for audible traffic signals. It is also true that the National Federation of the Blind and I think a number of blind people would say, look, having an automatic, auto, automatic or uh, not automated, automated traffic signal everywhere you go in an audio traffic signal at every intersection makes no sense because we can hear what traffic is doing. The trick for traffic signals that make a sound is what do I do when I'm at a complex intersection? And um, blind people in general, including the National Federation of the Blind, recognize that there are places for um, traffic signals that make sounds to make sure that we can get across the street correctly. You're right about traveling through airports without using meet and assist. The issue with airports not using meet and assist is that, first of all, if I wait at most airports for meet and assist, I may wait 15, 20, 30 minutes or longer for someone to show up who may not even speak the language that I speak. And um, yes, we get where we need to go, but more of us need to be more reliant and not fear traveling through airports. However, what IRA does is it provides me with the information to travel and make decisions. It's important to understand that the IRA agents are not helping. The IRA agents are providing information. As, as someone put it to me, and I think it's a great way to describe it, agents are eyes, they're not brains. So an agent can tell me as I'm walking down a corridor, I see the sign that says Skylink to the left. You're approaching the sign. You're approaching the corridor. I see the corridor to your left. And then I make the decision to turn based on the fact that I told the agent I want to know where the Skylink is. The agent doesn't say turn left. We get to a street corner. The agent doesn't say it's okay to cross the street. The light's green. The agent can tell me the light is green if I want that information. And there will be people who don't have enough confidence to always do that. But the agent should never say it's safe to cross the street for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is liability, but also that's making a decision. That's not the agent's job. The agent is an information source. And and I think the term visual interpreter is exactly right. The agent tells me things so that I can make the best possible decision. And the National Federation of the Blind has no problem with that concept. 
How are you hearing the information when you're in a busy <clears> environment like traffic where you've got to be using your hearing skills? Is, it, is the bone conduction technology of some kind? That's what most people like. Um, right now, the way the system is set up, we use things like the bone conduction headphones, like the Aftershocks bone conduction headphones. Um, some people still use earphones that, that plug into their smartphones and then go in their ears. I don't like that. I don't want to block hearing. So I use bone conduction headphones. But all resources are open to you. Since Ira utilizes phones that have the ability to do Bluetooth and um, also electrically connect and have Wi-Fi capabilities vis-a-vis -vis any smartphone, you use your own smartphone today, then um, you can connect through Bluetooth bone conduction headphones and use them. And most people really seem to like that the best. Wesley, this must be a very different product from anything that you've been involved with before dealing with the blind community in this way. How do you feel about it? It's, it's, it's something that I would imagine can be a very positive thing to be involved in. Absolutely. Uh, I, my background is in wearable technology. Uh, I worked at a, a well-known smartwatch company for a number of years. Um, and Ira was my first introduction into uh, the world of the blind and the visually impaired. And it has been absolutely nothing but positive. Uh, I like to tease Mike all of the time, uh, but truly Mike is, has taught me uh, so much and all of my amazing coworkers have, have opened my eyes and have uh, helped me understand a world that does not get, uh, that doesn't get talked about a lot, you know, for, for people who I've, I've never uh, interacted with anyone who was blind or visually impaired until I joined Ira. And, and now it is something that's just so normal for me. Jonathan, one of the things that I did when I joined the advisory board, I said, if I was going to be a company that wants to help the blind, in quotes, then I'm not interested. If it wants to be a company that truly means what it says about providing information and assisting in that way, then it's a great thing. And that's what Ira has done. Philosophically, it has been right on. And the founders of Ira and all of the employees at Ira are very committed to that. So it's been fun to help influence that and to help make sure that Ira sticks true to its goals. Yeah, I do think it's quite interesting that right at the beginning, Ira put the feelers out about the people, the organizations that it should engage with while this project was being built. And actually, in the blindness industry, that's quite rare. It is. It's one of the things that Ray Kurzweil did early on and has stuck with it. It's something that doesn't happen very often. This company's product has absolutely been influenced heavily by literally hundreds of consumers at this point. We haven't yet talked about the big issue of cost. This is not a cheap option. So you'd be wanting to use this on a regular basis. Uh, either of you, whichever of you would like to take it, tell me about the subscription options in terms of how much it costs. Yeah. So uh, our subscription plans go anywhere from $89 a month up to $329 a month, depending on the amount that you would like to use it. Uh, these costs do include all of the hardware, like we said earlier. It also includes the AT&T MiFi device and all of the data that goes through that as well. Um, it also includes um, insurance for the hardware. So if you were to uh, lose it or if you were to break it, uh, you would have to pay a very low deductible versus the entire cost of the hardware. Um, and depending on the plan that you choose from those plans, you get a certain allotment of minutes per month. So, for instance, if you sign up at $129 a month, uh, you get 200 minutes per month, uh, all the way up to 329 which is unlimited. Yeah, that is a fair amount of money for a lot of people. And it is something that will cause people to make decisions about where they want to spend their money. The other side of it is that Ira is well aware of that and is working to create partnerships and to find ways to lower those costs. <clears throat> and I think that we're going to see a lot of things happen over the next year or two that will assist in, in lowering the cost to the end user because it does cost a fair amount to use the product. On the other hand, it, as, as with anything, becomes a value judgment of how much is what Ira does worth it to me. And I can tell you that for me, it has absolutely made a significant difference in how I've been able to do a lot of things that I need to do. Mm, it's, a, it's a dilemma, isn't it? Because historically, typically, the blind community 
is overrepresented in the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum in mm-hmm. terms of income, a high unemployment level, but you've invested a lot in the technology and employees have got to be paid and the technology has got to evolve. And so it's a tricky business model, I would imagine. And, and, and the size of the market is very small. Well, think about the fact that the Kurzweil reading machine for the blind originally sold at $50,000 and who bought it? Stevie Wonder, because he had the money and some agencies bought it. What about rehabilitation agencies providing it for students at college? What about employers providing IRA as a service because they're going to have to pay for a number of reasonable accommodations like being able to read material, having other kind of information accessible to employees? They do it for everyone else. Um, And this just happens to be one of the mechanisms that may very well work for blind people to be able to make it work. So I think there are a lot of opportunities to be a little creative and and more important, just be a little bit more open-minded and innovative to recognize that this is a service that's going to make it more possible for me to do my job. And it's reasonable for me to go to my employer and say, look, you provide computers for people. You provide lights for people. I don't need the lights. Uh, You provide other things for all of your other employees. IRA is a mechanism that will allow me to perform whatever I do in a lot more efficient way than I would have otherwise been able to do it. That is a fair thing for people to say to employers, I believe. Yes. And how is the rehab system or the traditional funding mechanisms, how are they responding to that argument or is it too early to say at this point? A little bit early to say, but interested. Definitely there is interest. If people would like to know more about the service, how can people do that, Wesley? Absolutely. Uh, If you want to learn more about IRA, please visit www.airaairo. Additionally, you could call our phone number uh, in the U.S. That is uh, 1-858-876-2472. Additionally, Ira has uh, both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can follow us there at IRAIO, and uh, that's where you would hear more about uh, future announcements regarding partnerships, about uh, uh, exciting new advisory board members, about uh, upcoming conventions where you could try it yourself, and about uh, uh, expansion into other countries. So to make it easy, by the way, for the phone number, it's 858-USA-IRA. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side. A production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.